After a surprisingly fast few months in fundraising, GPs have begun to pump the brakes as the market stalls. Our placement agent panel talks speeding outliers, coasting fundraisers and some funds that may not make it home. Will the European buyout market fundraise for success in the second half of 2020? Or will it all but crash? All this and more in this week's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello listener and welcome. We're recording from home today to bring you a fundraising special. We've got an esteemed fundraising panel including Sivali Capital's Sunaina Sinha, Ricardo Felix of Asante Capital and Andrew Bentley of Campbell Lutyens. We're going to discuss top tips for getting funds over the line, emerging managers and, and the issues that they're facing and what our experts foresee for the rest of 2020. But first, to give us a better idea of how the fundraising market has been shaping up over the last few months, I have my colleague here, Greg Gilles, Unquote Editor. Welcome, Greg. Hi. Hi, Kat. How are you doing? Thanks very much for taking the time to to be with us today. So, Greg, what are the post-COVID-19 outbreak fundraising stats like? Can you give us a quick overview? Well, as it happens, our colleague Maria crunched the numbers for an unquote piece recently. And Q1 actually saw a pretty decent level of fundraising activity with 73 buyout and venture funds reaching either a first or final close over the first three months of the year. And that compares pretty favorably with the quarterly figures that we'd seen since the beginning of 2019. And that could perhaps suggest that the onset of lockdowns in March had a, a limited impact on fundraising. But we've got to bear in mind there's always a bit of a buffer effect at play here and, and most of the lockdowns actually came into effect maybe sort of mid-March. And if we look at a three-month period between March and May, well, that tells a very different story. So overall, 44 funds held a first or final close between the start of lockdown and the end of May for aggregate commitments of $23 billion. Again, the average quarterly figure between Q1 last year and Q1 this year stood at 77 closing events or so. So based on that, the COVID-19 outbreak certainly seems to have put a bit of a damper on funds crossing crossing the finishing line. And if we turn to Q2, the preliminary figures indicate that this quarter will likely have the fewest fund close announcements for some time. Uh, I think we're on about 20 final closes um, and uh, 20 first closes as well in, in Q2. So overall, about 40, uh, 40 fund closes across the buyout and, and venture space, again, comparing to anywhere between 60 and and 90 uh, in any given quarter over the past couple of years or so. It's pretty telling, actually, that the number of first closes looks set to match the number of final closes. It's pretty rare, um, and it suggests that proceeding through the early fundraising stages was still possible in lockdown, and that some GPs may have actually heeded the advice to lock in commitments as early as they can, even if not on an optimal figure, um, given the uncertainty. It also has to be noted that some firms actually managed to initiate and close entire fundraising efforts in lockdown. And we've had a, a couple of examples recently, uh, tending, closing their second fund on £400 million, pounds, um, Undera Partners as well over in France, closing Actimes 4 in uh, in excess of €500 million. Euros. So it's always going to be a bit of a bifurcation in the market. We know that, and, and that was certainly at play there. But overall figures, you know, marked slowdown for sure yeah absolutely I, I remember earlier in the lockdown on that kind of first close point that you mentioned Ricardo Felix who's actually on the panel today mentioned um, that he kind of suggests to his to his clients to uh, perhaps close on a first close and kind of lock in that capital when you can but obviously that 
translates to a, a drop in the overall amount of, of capital flowing into European funds. I mean, you've mostly talked about the number of closes so far, but uh, what's the situation there? Yeah, I mean, inevitably it will because we're, we're dealing again with about half the, the amount of, uh, of closes. But one bright note for Q2 is that the quarterly value drop it won't be as significant, certainly, as, as the volume drop. But that is really owing to a handful of large closes that are likely to significantly uh, boost H1 commitment totals, for sure. Um, and perhaps this guy's the true extent of the slowdown in fundraising. So earlier this month, obviously, Ardian closed um, ASF8, which is the world's largest secondaries fund to date on, on $19 billion. So obviously, that's a massive boost. But one month prior, IK closed its uh, IK9 mid-cap investment vehicle on, on $2.85 billion. Uh, DBAG as well in Germany held a final close for Fund 8 on um, around $1.1 billion. Great. And I know that our fundraising experts are going to be talking about what they see for the rest of, of 2020. But what, what do you think is in the pipeline for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, a, a number of investors obviously continue uh, inching towards their targets, uh, as you and, and the other reporters on the team are ruthlessly tracking. Uh, if I look over on the data side, um, going back a little bit further, perhaps uh, around 194 European funds that have been launched since the beginning of 2018, uh, but are still open, uh, are seeking to raise a total of 125 billion euros. Uh, so that's obviously quite a lot, and we can add to that uh, 91 funds, which we've got as registered, uh, which most likely would be in pre-marketing. Um, these are targeting a total of about 25 billion euros. So while the overall tally may include structures that you know maybe launched at some point and, and sort of petered out, um, it's a sign that there will be a high number of GPs that are still on the on the fundraising trail in 2020, even if uh, in a largely virtual format. If we look at the, the high-profile GPs that are expected to target fund closings in the short term, uh, we've got some big hitters there. Obviously, CVC Capital Partners, which is actually supposed to be closing round about now. Um, so hopefully we can get an update on that soon. Uh, but we've also got EQT, BC, Montague, Bridgepoint, Euroseo. Um, so that'll be a, a good bellwether as, as, as to uh, whether these Obviously, name brand GPs can uh, can still proceed as planned, uh, but there's a number of, of smaller funds as well, um, where perhaps we'll, we'll see a little bit of, a, of the bifurcation at play. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving us a snapshot of the market currently. So as I mentioned earlier, I spoke with three experts in the field about the current fundraising market for a panel discussion. We had with us Andrew Bentley, a partner with Campbell Lutchens, Sunaina Sinha, the CEO of Sibali Capital, and Ricardo Felix, a managing director with Asante Capital. We discussed a number of topics from the difficulties emerging managers face because of coronavirus and beyond, uh, all the way to the different strategies LPs are now looking into. When asked about the buoyant spring fundraising market, Campbell's Andrew Bentley suggested we may not have seen the worst of the coronavirus's impact just yet. Uh, fundraising closings. Uh, naturally follow on from an enormous amount of work in preparation. So it's typical following financial um, dislocations actually to see the fundraisings continue for a period because there's so much momentum already and decisions already made in those fundraisings uh, that it takes uh, something very large to pull them off after a certain period. So we've seen a number of the funds in the market actually continue quite well um, through March, April, May 
uh, to getting done. The closer you were to March, uh, the better the situation's been. Um, but even those in May have actually continued, uh, given the momentum they built up beforehand. So what we'd expect is actually more of a delay uh, may, may be pushed into the second half of funds which might have either launched um, in March, April, May um, or had only just launched and therefore hadn't built up a certain amount of steam. Sibali Sunaina seconded that point and emphasised that LPs have been focusing on existing relationships. I think the reason fundraisings are still proceeding um, on pace or, or having closes is because a number of these GPs and these fundraisers have been around pre-COVID crisis and were able to build relationships with investors ahead of these lockdowns. Investors in our post-COVID surveys are saying very clearly that they're going to prioritize existing GP relationships over new ones. So the reason we've seen fundraising keep pace with this um, new market and economic turn that we've seen is simply because GPs have spent the time over a course of previous fundraises or just starting a long period of pre-marketing for their current fundraise to meet LPs, build relationships with them, so that even though we've had this COVID lockdown, they've been able to proceed with virtual due diligences in some cases or continue to keep their commitment paces um, alive and their fundraisers uh, kicking along uh, because those LPs have said, listen, I know this GP, I've built a relationship with them, I've met them before, and now it's a question of me finishing up my due diligence. Our panellists then moved on to emerging managers. Asante's Ricardo shared some insights into the situation for currently raising funds and spin-outs thinking about raising. About one-third of, of our portfolio, our GP portfolio, is, is either an emerging manager, a debut manager, or spin-out type of um, story. We actually have a couple right now in Europe, and we're glad to say that, again, despite the, a slight dip uh, in the fundraising process, uh, given these strategies are buyout and growth and, and, and really in some cases dependent on, on, on consumer uh, type of uh, 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 interest, the demand of the, of, of the consumer. Uh, we are happy to, to see this pick up uh, in the past two months. And so uh, we're actually hitting a final close and a first close uh, and, and with, with some of these managers, uh, despite the current environment. What does this mean for the overall private equity industry? I think what it means is that um, emerging managers that uh, were preparing to launch will do well to maybe post this and uh, think of the best strategy to go to market uh, once things perhaps normalize, right? Um, I think in your previous piece, we, we, we spoke about when is the right time to go to market during this type of environment. And it certainly um, uh, was you know, the soft discussions can continue to take place, certainly for an anchoring, from an anchoring perspective for, for that first close. Um, investors uh, or GPs um, will be wise to, to perhaps um, wait until a couple of quarters uh, before uh, launching a new, a new strategy. I think overall, um, you know, if we just talk, talk beyond emerging managers, and the difficulty of racing uh, in this environment, there's capital still there to be, uh, that, that needs to be deployed, uh, whether it's uh, perhaps a fund to fund type of uh, investor or a, a, a larger institution um, that can't afford to not deploy for a full year, right? So there's pockets of capital 
that, uh, that can be accessed. But at the same time, as, as mentioned earlier, um, those more opportunistic investors are likely also going to continue this wait and see attitude. Andrew chimed in to discuss the more systemic problems facing emerging managers and how the industry has been dealing with them. I'm not so worried about the industry if this is temporary um, for emerging managers. Um, you know, we have seen, you know, the bigger dynamic across the industry of the last five to 10 years has been a, uh, a, a, a sort of a proliferation of products from the larger established managers, which is, to, is which is already dented um, the ability for new managers to come forward with something innovative that LPs will look at. So the trend has been quite long lasting over the last say, five, eight years. Um, so I don't think the current uh, market, so 2020 is not specifically going to cause a problem there. It's a much bigger question for the industry. Um, and the industry has been solving that by encouraging the managers that they know and love uh, actually to come up to find teams to come up with propositions etc so the innovation is actually happening at uh, um, to a great degree in these larger gps sunena then went on to discuss the changing and widening expectations of gps in the current environment you know we are hearing a few things very consistently from lps that they are asking gps to really have very few excuses for realizations in their past track records. They understand that 2020 might be a difficult time to exit portfolio companies, but they're asking GPs, in, in, notwithstanding 2020, to show better realization track records. So that DPI is a very important variable today for existing uh, for LPs when they think about their existing GPs and whether they're going to re-up or not into a manager and whether they're looking for a new relationship or not. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, if you can remove the blind pool risk via the first few deals being done, that really helps LPs say, hey, um, this, this fund is on its way. Am I joining or am I not? The third thing LPs are looking for is some kind of momentum behind the fundraise. It's really difficult to back a first time, first close uh, a GP, unless you have some uh, confidence that this GP is going to get their fundraise done. So building momentum into the first close becomes critical. We often advise GPs to at least have 50% of your target fundraise in the first close to build the momentum between the first close and the final close. And then finally, so taking a more broader level, what are LPs looking for in terms of strategies? Of course, buyout remains everyone's favorite. However, LPs are telling us, and have responded to our uh, LP survey very strongly, that they're going to be prioritizing distressed credit opportunities, turnaround funds. They've been lightweight on those strategies in general over the last half of the cycle, and now are looking to ramp up allocations because they believe that there'll be more opportunity in those spaces. So those are some of the key criteria that LPs are looking for. Campbell's Andrew and I then talked about the different issues a traditional buyout-focused LP needs to think about when considering investing in new strategies. Well, I think the, the, the broad underwriting is the same, um, but terminology in turnaround distress um, funds is really complicated and, and potentially confusing. I mean, there's the, the, the indiligence uh, the LPs need to understand 
um, the different types of underwriting. You know, if essentially is it a balance sheet correction that the GP is approaching, or is it a profit and loss, uh, a, a PL correction that they're looking to address? Uh, very different styles in both. Um, I think there is very specifically different skills in different uh, approaches. You know, is there is is it all about actually really understanding local bankruptcy laws and network of insolvency advisors really really local, or is it actually really about addressing uh, complex operating issues? So maybe much more leverageable across wider regions. Um, you know, is it the speed of assessment that's really key? to taking advantage of opportunities that come through that are very short dated. Um, so it, it, it is much the same diligence, but just with, with some different slants and definitely some very specific terminology. Ricardo then mentioned some of the other strategies LPs are looking into, but stressed the importance of sticking to mandates. I think from our um, conversations that we've had over the past quarter, you're right, LPs are being a bit more cautious on, on, on how they are going to deploy capital in private markets. That's not to say they're radically changing, I guess, their mandate. There's been an increase perhaps in, in, in looking for strategies that would be uh, a bit more defensive or perhaps even counter-cyclical. In my view, that's perhaps a bit more after the fact. Uh, one would may perhaps would want to have this exposure before the macro shock. Uh, but you know this this uh, comes and goes. I think the appetite for perhaps uncorrelated strategies, secondaries, uh, distressed credit, and the like, um, or altogether, um, perhaps even preferred equity strategies, have has increased. Uh, we certainly get uh, asked about product and the, and the within within those type of um, sub strategies. But at the same time. You know the core allocations uh, shouldn't really radically change because of a uh, temporal movement in the market. Uh, ultimately, as we all know, private equity is a long-term game. You're investing in in, in vehicles that are uh, illiquid for 10 years, uh, and so um, I think LPs uh, are agree that they should simply stick to their mandate, uh, trust that their existing relationships will do what they need to do on the portfolio basis. And from a new allocation perspective, perhaps start mapping uh, uh, if they hadn't in the past uh, strategies that maybe can counteract uh, this type of uh, uh, macro movements. But you know the allocations uh, as such, for the most part, we've seen them remain as they are. And finally, the placement agents treated us to a little bit of crystal ball gazing as we discuss what they foresaw for the fundraising market in the second half of 2020. I think there are really three considerations for the remainder of 2020. The first is that it is getting busier and busier uh, to fight for resource allocation at the LP level for GPs. So you've got to start earlier than you ever thought you needed to start to build the momentum for your fundraise. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is there are GPs for whom it will make sense to delay their fundraisers. Maybe they don't have enough exits. Maybe they don't have enough existing LPs who are going to re-up. Perhaps there's been a team change. Whatever the reason might be, it, if, if there is one or two real objections that they have heard from LPs already, instead of going out to market and having a delayed or a long stalling or even a failed fundraise, put your fundraise on hold, 
fix the issues that have been identified by LPs and then come back to market. And then the third thing, and we will definitely see a lot of LPs doing number two by, uh, GPs doing number two, by the way, they're just not going to be able to raise. And I think that's a big takeaway for the second half of 2020. Not every GP is going to be able to raise their fund. And we expect a third of GPs to put their fundraisings on hold or delay them. Ricardo? I think nothing radical is going to, to change. I think for, for the most part, those investors that needed to deploy for 2020 have certainly earmarked those, those transactions. I think people are already focusing on the 2021 uh, pipeline. Uh, so it's a good time for those GPs that maybe are looking to launch uh, in the next, say, uh, couple of quarters to start having those very soft discussions virtually so that as soon as we're possi- it's possible, um, get in front of investors. Um, as we mentioned earlier, there is a slight optic on um, uh, non-traditional equity strategies, uh, whether it's uh, distressed credit or correlated, uh, esoteric, uh, specialty finance, and so on. Uh, whether we see this translated to real capital deployment, I think that's perhaps one question mark for the second half of 2020. We certainly see the interest, sort of this window shopping approach, um, uh, but I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see whether um, it goes beyond just the mapping stage for, for, for the LP community. Other than that, uh, certainly a year of re-ups for many LPs. Uh, it's also a good time to, to look at your portfolio and see where you might want to add or, um, or, or, or concentrate your portfolio for next year, uh, given that uh, all of us have had much more time in our homes, I suppose, to, 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 to look at our respective portfolios. Um, I think if you look perhaps at a graph of fundraising of 2020, and there's the, this, this relative dip during Q1, stabilizes uh, during the summer, and I think it's just going to stay stable up until the end of the year. Uh, I don't expect a, a sudden optic either, um, perhaps until next year. And Andrew, if we could just get your final points. In our conversations with LPs over the last uh, three or four months, uh, we've been logging um, uh, people's reactions to that sort of question. 55% of LPs tell us it'll be business as usual, which suggests 45% say it won't be. Um, If we dig deeper into that 55%, pretty much half of them say, yes, okay, well, new commitments will be difficult to get through. But but, um, uh, so in fact, if one's looking for raising new commitments, uh, there's only a 25% of the normal market that is addressable this year. Do you think that um, that, 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 that's on the new commitment side? I think we have to look back uh, at the last couple of years to get what's happened on liquidity overall for LPs into perspective. Uh, liquidity, net liquidity, which is the difference between drawdowns and distributions, has been reducing already for 12 to 24 months and had arguably already gone negative before COVID hit. Um, and we're expecting it to go strongly negative now because GPs will be investing more than they'll be exiting. Fundraising is very dependent on public markets and m and activity, especially exits. And the, whilst the public markets have bounced back, which alleviates some of the problems we saw in March, um, exits have not. And uh, we're not expecting a very good exit market, um, um, or certainly for positive exits, um, through for much of, the, much of the autumn. 
So that, that dynamic will suppress the ability for LPs to come up with new capital to make commitments with. So I think in our view, it, what's the difference? Is it going to be compared to last year? Will 2020 be, um, our, our range is about sort of 20 to 50% down on last year. And that's a very large margin. So whilst there are some really great examples of firms that have raised well, continue to raise well, the bar's gone up and we would expect an awful lot of in the, in, in the second half to be really quite slow. And there we have it. That's the fundraising special for this week. I'm afraid that's all we do have time for, but do look out for an upcoming special on technology due diligence. And we're going to have a DAC update soon as well. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or of course, continue listening on Unquote.com. A very big thank you to our three panellists today, Sunaina Sinha, Ricardo Felix and Andrew Bentley. To our editor, Greg Gilles, and as always, a big thank you to you too, listener. Speak to you soon.